0: Chapter two The Riders of Rohan Dusk deepened. Mist lay behind them amongst the trees below and brooded on the pale margins of the Undouin. But the sky was clear. Stars came out. The waxing moon was riding in the west, and the shadows of the rocks were black. They had come to the feet of stony hills, and their pace was slower, for the trail was no longer easy to follow. Here, the highlands of the Emon Mule ran from the north to south in two long, tumbled ridges. The western side of each ridge was steep and difficult, but the eastward slopes were gentler, furrowed with many gullies and narrow ravines. All night, the three companions scrambled on this bony land, climbing to the crest of the first and tallest ridge, and down again to the darkness of the deep, winding valley on the other side. There, in the still, cool hour before dawn, they rested for a brief space. The moon had long gone down before them. The stars glittered above them. The first light of day had not yet come over the dark hills behind. For the moment Aragorn was at a loss. The orc trail had descended into the valley, but there it had vanished. Which way would they turn, do you think? said Sir Legolas. Northward to take a straighter road to Isengard? Or Fangorn, if that is their aim, as you guess? Or southward to strike to Entwash? They will not make for the river, whatever mark they aim at, said Aragon. "And Unless there is much amiss in Rohan, and the power of Saruman is greatly increased, they will take the shortest way that they can. Find over the fields of Rohim. So let us search northward. The dale ran like a stony trough between the ridges, ridged hills, and a trickling stream flowed amongst the boulders at the bottom. A cliff frowned upon their right, to their left rose grey slopes, dim and shadowy in the late night. They went on for a mile or more northwards. Aragon was searching, bent towards the ground, amongst the folds and gullies leading up to the western ridge. Legolas was some way ahead. Suddenly the elf gave a cry and the others came running towards him. "'We've already taken over some of those that were hunting,' he said. "'Look!' he pointed and saw that what they had first taken to be boulders lying at the foot of the slope were actually huddled bodies." five dead orcs lay there. They had been hewn with many cruel strokes and two had been beheaded. The ground was wet with their dark blood. Here is another riddle, said Glimli, but it needs the light of day and for that we cannot wait. Yet however you read it, it seems not unhopeful, said Legolas. Enemies of the orcs are likely to be our friends. Do any folk dwell in these hills? No, said Aragorn. The whom "'The Rahim seldom come here, and is far from Minas Tirith. "'It might be that some of the company of men were hunting here "'for reasons that we do not know. Yet, I think not.' Well, "'What do you think?' said Gimli. "'I think the enemy brought his own enemy with him,' answered Aragorn. "'These are northern orcs from far away. "'Amongst the slain are none of the great orcs with the strange badges. "'There's a quarrel, I guess. It's not uncommon with these foul folk. "'Maybe there's some dispute about the road.' Or about the captives, said Gimli. Let's hope that they too did not meet their end here. Aragorn searched the ground in a wide circle, but no other traces of the fight could be found. They went on. Already an eastward sky was turning pale, the stars were fading, and a grey light was slowly growing. A little further north they came to a fold in which a tiny stream, falling and winding, had cut a stony path into the valley. In it some bushes grew, and there were patches of grass on its sides. At last, said Aragorn, here are the tracks that we seek, up this water channel. It is the way that the orcs went after their debate. Swiftly now the pursuers turned and followed the new path. As if fresh from a night's rest, they sprang from stone to stone. At last they reached the crest of the grey hill, and sudden breeze blew in their hair and stirred their cloaks, the chill wind wind of dawn. Turning back, they saw across the river and the far hills kindled. Day leaped into the sky, the red rim of the sun rose over the shoulders of the dark land. Before them in the west, west the lay before them in the west the world lay still, formless and grey, but even as they looked, the shadows of the night melted, the colours of the waking earth returned. Green flowed over the wide meads of the Rohan. The white mists shimmered in the water vales, and far off to the left, thirty leagues or more, purple and blue stood the white mountains. Rising into peaks of jet tipped with glimmering snows, flushed with the rose of morning, Gondor, Gondor, cried Aragon, would that I look upon you again in the happier hour, yet not does not yet does my road lie southward to your bright streams, Gondor, Gondor, between the mountains and the sea. West wind blew there the light upon the silver tree Fell like bright rain in gardens of the kings of old O oh, bright walls, white towers owing oh, winged crown and throne of gold O gondor gondor shall men behold the silver tree O west wind blow again between the mountains and the sea now let us go he said drawing his eyes away from the south and looking out west and north to the way that he must tread the ridge upon which the companions stood went down steeply before their feet. Below it, twenty fathoms or more, there was a wide and rugged shelf which ended suddenly on the brink of the sheer cliff. The east wall of Rohan. So ended the emin Mule, and the green plains of Rohum stretched away before them in the edge of sight. Look, cried Legolas, pointing to the pale sky above them. There is the eagle again. He's very high. "'He seems to be flying now away from this land, back to the north. "'He's going with great speed. Look!' "'No, not even my eyes can see him, my good Legolas,' said the Aragon. "'He must be far aloft indeed. "'I wonder what is his errand if he has the same bird that I've seen before. "'But look! I can see something nearer at hand and more urgent. "'There's something moving over the plain.' "'Many things,' said Legolas. "'It is a great company on foot.' "'but I cannot say more, nor see what kind of folks they may be. "'They are many leagues away, twelve, I guess, "'but the flatness of the plain, it's hard to measure. "'I think, nonetheless, that we no longer need any trail "'to tell us which way to go,' said Gimli. "'Let us find a path down into the fields as quick as we can.' "'I doubt if we find a path quicker than the ones the orcs chose,' said Aragon. "'They followed their enemies now by the clear light of day. "'It seemed that the orcs had pressed on with all possible speed.' Every now and again the pursuers found things that had been dropped or cast away, food bags, the rinds and crust of hard grey bed, the torn black cloak, a heavy iron-nailed shoe broken in the stones. The trail led them north along the top of the escarpment, and at length they came down a deep cleft carved in the rock by a stream that splashed noisily down. In the narrow ravine a rough path descended like a steep stair into the plain. At the bottom they came to a strange suddenness in the grass of Rohan. It swelled like a green sea up to the very foot of Emanmul. The falling stream vanished into a deep growth of cresses and water plants, and they could hear it tinkling away in green tunnels down the long, gentle slopes towards the fens of Entwash far away. They seemed to have left winter clinging to the hills behind. Here the air was softer and warmer and faintly scented, as if spring was already stirring and a sap was flowing. Legolas, Took a deep breath, like the one that drinks a great draught, like one that drinks a great draught after long thirst in barren places. Ah, the green smell, he said, is better here than sleep. Let us run. Light feet may run swiftly here, said Aragon, more swiftly maybe than iron shored oaks. Now have the chance to lessen their lead. They went in single file, running like hounds on a strong scent, and an eager light was in their eyes. Nearly due west, the broad swath of marching orcs tramped its ugly slot. The sweet grass of Rohan had been bruised and blackened as they passed. Presently, Aragorn gave a cry and turned aside. Stay! he shouted. Don't follow me yet! He ran quickly to the right, away from the main trail, for he had seen footprints that went that way, branching off from the others, the marks of small, unshod feet. These, however, did not go far before they were crossed by orc prints also coming up from the main trail, from behind and in front. And then they curved sharply back again and were lost in the trampling. At the furthest point, Aragon stooped and picked up something from the grass and he ran back. Yes, he said, that they are quite plain, the hobbits' footprints. Pippin's, I think. He's smaller than the other. And look at this. He held up a thing that glittered in the sunlight. It looked like the new open leaf of a beech tree, fair and strange in that treeless plain. It's the brooch of the elven cloak, cried Legolas and Gimli together. Not idly do the leaves of Lorien fall, said Aragon. This did not drop by chance. This was cast away as a token that any might follow. I think Pippin ran away from the trail for that purpose. Then at least he was alive, said Gimli, and he had the use of his wits and of his legs too. That is heartening. We do not pursue in vain. Let us hope that he did not pay too dearly for his boldness, said Legolas. Come on, let's go. The thought of those merry young folks driven like cattle, d- driven like cattle burns my heart. The sun climbed to the noon and then rode slowly down the sky. Light clouds came up on the sea in the distant south and were blown away upon the breeze. The sun sank. Shadows rose behind and reached out long from, arms from the east. Still the hunters held on. One day now had passed since Boromir fell and the orcs were yet far ahead. No longer could any sight of them could be seen on the level plains. As nightshade was closing about them, Aragorn halted. Only twice in the day's march had they rested for a brief, brief while, and the twelve leagues now lay between them and the eastern wall where they had stood at dawn. We've come to a hard choice, he said. Shall we rest by night, or shall we go on while, I, while our will and strength hold? Unless our enemies rest also, they will leave us far behind if we stay to sleep, said Legolas. Surely even orcs must pause on a march, said Gimli. Seldom will orcs journey in the open under the sun, yet these have done so, so they certainly will not rest by night. But if we walk by night, we cannot follow their trail, said Gimli. The trail is straight and turns neither left or right as far as my eyes can see, said Legolas. Maybe... "'I could lead you a guess in the darkness and hold to the line,' said Aragon. "'But if we strayed, or they turn aside, "'and then when light came, we might be a long delay before the trail is found again.' "'And there's this also,' said Gimli. "'Only by day can we see if any tracks lead away. "'If a prisoner should escape, or if a one should be carried off, "'eastward, say, to the great river, towards Mordor, "'we might pass the signs and never know it.' "'That is true,' said Aragon. But if I read the signs back yonder rightly, the Orc of the White Hand prevailed, and the whole company is now bound for Isengard. Their present course bears me out. Yet it would be wise. No, yet it would be rash to be sure of their counsels, said Gimli. And what of escape? In the dark we would have passed the signs that led you to the brooch. The Orcs would have doubly been on their guard since then, and the prisoners even wearier, said Legolas. There will be no escape again if we do not contrive it. How that is to be done cannot be guessed, but first we must overtake them. And yet I, even I, a dwarf of many journeys, and not the least hardy of my folk, cannot run all the way to Isengard without pause, said Gimli. My heart burns me too. I would have started sooner, but I must rest a little, to be able to run the better. And if we rest, then the blind knight is the time to do it. I said it was a hard choice, said Aragorn. How shall we end this debate? You are our guide, said Gimli, and you are skilled in the chase. You choose. My heart bids me go on, said Legolas, but we must hold together. I will follow your counsel. Oh, you give the choice to an ill chooser, said Aragorn. Since we passed through Aragon North, my choices have gone amiss. He fell silent, gazing north and west into the gathering night for a long while. We will not walk in the dark, he said at length. The peril of missing the trail or signs of other coming and going seems to be greater than continuing. If the moon gave enough light, we would use it, but alas, he sits early and is yet young and pale. And tonight is trouted anyway, Gimli said. Would that the lady had given us light as such a gift that he gave to Frodo. It will be more needed where it is bestowed, said Aragorn. With him lies the true quest. Ours is but a small matter in the great deeds of this time. A vain pursuit from its beginning, maybe, but no choice of mine can mar or mend. Right, I have chosen. Let us use the time as best as we may. He cast himself on the ground and fell at once to sleep, for he had not slept since their night under the shadow of tall Brundir. Before dawn in the sky, he woke and rose. Gimli was still steep in slumber, but Legolas was standing, gazing northwards into the darkness, thoughtful and silent as a young tree in the windless night. They are far away, far, far away, he said sadly, turning to Aragorn. I know in my heart that they have not rested this night. Only an eagle could overtake them now. Nevertheless, we will still follow as we may, said Aragorn. Stooping, he rose the dwarf. Come on, we must go, he said. The scent is growing cold. But it's still dark, said Gimli. Even Legolas on a hilltop could not see them until the sun is up. "'I fear they have passed beyond my sight from hill or plain, "'under moon or sun,' said Legolas. "'Where sight fails, the earth must bring us rumour, said Aragon. "'The land must groan under their hated feet.' "'He stretched himself upon the ground "'and put his ear pressed against the turf. "'He lay there motionless for a long time "'that Gimli wondered if he had swooned or fallen asleep again. "'Dawn came glimmering, "'and slowly a grey light grew about them. "'At last he rose, and now his friends could see his face.' It was pale and drawn, and his look was troubled. The room of earth is dim and confused, he said. Nothing that walks upon it for many miles about us. Faint and far are the feet of our enemies, but loud are the hooves of the horses. It comes to my mind that I heard them even as I lay on the ground and sleep, and they troubled my dreams, horses galloping, passing the west, but now they are drawing ever further from us, riding northward, I wonder what's happening in that land. Let us go, said Legolas. So the third day of their pursuit began. During all its long hours of cloud and fitful sun, they hardly paused, now striding, now running, as if no weariness could quench the fire that burned within them. They seldom spoke. Over the wide solitude they passed, and their elven cloaks faded against the background of the green-gray fields, even in the cool sunlight of midday. In this only few but the elvish eyes would have marked them, until they were close at hand. Often in their hearts they thanked the Lady of Lorien for the gift of Lembliss, because they could eat of it and find new strength even as they ran. All day the track of the enemies led straight on, going northwest without break or turn. At once again the day wore to its end, they came to a long treeless slopes, with the land rose swelling up towards a line of low humpback downs ahead. The orc trail grew fainter as it bent north towards them, for the ground became harder and the grass shorter. Far away to the left in the river, Entroth wound a silver thread in a green floor. Nothing moving could be seen. Often Aragorn wondered what they saw. Often Aragon wondered that they saw no sign of beast or man. The dwellings of the Rahim were for the most part many leagues away to the south under the wooded eaves of the white mountains, now hidden in mist and cloud. Yet the horse lords had formerly kept many herds and studs in the eastern met, this easterly region of their realm. And there the herdsmen had wandered much, living in camp and tent even in winter time. But now, now all the land was empty, and there was a silence that did not seem to be in keeping with the quiet of the place. At dusk they halted again. Now twice twelve leagues they had passed over the plains of Rohan, and the wall of Emma Muir was lost in the shadows of the east. The young moon was glimmering in a mystery sky, and it gave a small light, and the stars were veiled. Now do I most grudge a time of rest or any halt in our chase, said Legolas. The orcs have run before us, as if they had the very whips of Sauron behind them. I fear they have already reached the forest of the dark hills, and even now are passing through the shadows of the trees." Gimli ground his teeth. This is a bitter end to our hope and all our toils, he said. To hope, maybe. But not to toil, said Aragon. We shall not turn back yet. But I'm weary. He gazed back along the way that they had come towards the night gathering in the east. There's something strange at work in this land. I distrust the silence, I distrust even the pale moon. The stars are faint, and I'm weary as I've seldom been before, weary as no ranger should be with a clear trail to follow. There is some will that lends speed to our foes and sets an unseen barrier before us, and weariness that is in the heart more than in the limb. Truly, said Legolas, that I have known since I first came down from the Emlyn mill, for the will is not behind us but before us. He pointed his way over the land of Rohan into the darkening west under the sickle moon. Saruman! muttered Aragorn, But he shall not turn us back. Halt we must once more, for see, even the moon is falling to gathering cloud. But north lies our road between down and fen when the day returns. As before, Legolas was first afoot, if indeed he had ever slept. Awake! Awake! he cried. It is a red dawn. Strange things await us by the eaves of the forest. Good or evil, I do not know, but we are called. Come on! await. The others sprang up, and almost at once they were off again. Slowly the downs drew near. It was still an hour before noon when they reached them, green slopes rising to bare ridges that ran in a line straight towards the north. At their feet the ground was dry and the turf short, but the long strip of sunken land, some ten miles wide, lay between them and the river, wandering deep in dim thickets of reed and rush. Just to the west of the southernmost slope there was a great ring where the turf had been torn and beaten by many trampling feet. From it the orc trail ran out again, turning north along the dry skirts of the hills. Aragon halted and examined the tracks closely. They rested here a while, he said, but even the outward trail is already old. I fear your heart spoke truly, Legolas. It is thrice twelve hours, I guess, since the orcs stood where we now stand. If they held to their pace, then at sundown yesterday they would reach the borders of Fangorn. "'I can see nothing away north or west but grass dwindling into the mist,' said Gimli. "'Could we see the forest if we climbed the hills?' "'It's still far away,' said Aragon, "'If I remember rightly, these downs run eight leagues or more to the north, and then northwest to the issuing of the Entwash lies the still-wide land. Another fifteen leagues it may be.' "'Well, let us go on,' said Gimli. "'My legs must forget the miles.' They would be more willing if my heart were not so heavy. The sun was sinking when at last they drew near to the end of the line of downs. For many hours they had marched without rest. They were going slowly now, and Gimli's back was bent. Stone hard are the dwarves in labour a journey, but this endless chase began to tell on him, as hope failed in his heart. Aragorn walked behind him, grim and silent, stooping now and again to scan some print or mark upon the ground. Only Legolas still stepped lightly as ever, his feet hardly seemed to press the grass, leaving no footprint. But in the waybread of elves, he found all the sustenance that he need, and he could sleep, if sleep could be called such a thing as by men, by resting his mind in the strange paths of elvish dreams, even as he walked open-eyed in the light of this world. Let us go up into the green hill, he said. Wearily they followed him, climbing the long slope until they came out on top. It was a round hill, smooth and bare, standing by itself, the most northerly of the Downs. The sun sank and the shadows of the evening fell like a curtain. They were alone in the grey, formless world without mark or measure. Only far away northwest there was a deeper darkness against the dying light. The mountains of mist and the forest at their feet. Nothing we can see to guide us here, said Gimli. Well, now we must halt again and wear the right away. It's growing cold. The wind is north from the snow, said Aragon. And ere morning it will be in the east, said Legolas. But rest if you must. Do not cast hope away as you do so. Tomorrow is unknown. Red often is found in the rising of the sun. Three suns already have risen on our chase and brought no counsel, said Gimli. The night grew ever colder. Aragon and Gimli set fifthly, and in, whenever they woke, they saw Legolas standing beside them, or walking to and fro, singing softly to himself in his own tongue. And as he sang, the white stars opened in the hard black vault above. So the night passed. Together they watched the dawn grow slowly in the sky, now bare and cloudless, until at last the sunrise came. It was pale and clear. The wind was in the east, and the mist had rolled away. The wide lands lay bleak about them in the blistered light. Ahead and eastwards they saw the many windy uplands of the wold of Rohan that had already glimpsed in them many days ago from the great river. north stalked the dark forest of Fanghord. Still ten leagues away stood its shadowy eaves and its further slopes faded into the distant blue. Beyond there glimmered far away as if floating under a grey cloud the white head of the tall methadras the last peak of the misty mountains. Out of the forest the entwash flowed to meet them, its stream now swift and narrow, and its banks deep cloven. The orc trail turned from the downs towards it. Following with his keen eyes the trail to the river, and then to the river back towards the forest, Aragorn saw a shadow on the distant green, a dark, swift-moving blur. He cast himself upon the ground and listened again intently. But Legolas stood beside him, shadowing his bright elven eyes with his long, slender hand, and he saw not a shadow, nor a blur, but the small figures of horsemen, many horsemen, and the glint of morning on the tips of their spears was like the twinkle of minute stars beyond the edge of mortal sight. Far behind them, a dark smoke rose in thin curling threads. There was a silence in the empty fields, and Gimli could hear the air moving in the grass. Riders," said Aragorn, springing to his feet. "Many riders and swift steeds are coming towards us." "Yes," said Legolas. There are a hundred and five. Yellow is their hair and bright are their spears. Their leader is very tall. Aragon smiled. Keen are the eyes of the elves, he said. Nay, the riders are only five leagues distant, said Legolas. Five leagues or one, said Gimli. We cannot escape them in the spearland. Shall we wait for them here or go on our way? We will wait, said Aragon. I am weary and our hunt has failed, or at least the others were before us for these horsemen are riding back down the walk trail. We might get news from them. Or spears, said Gimli. There are three empty saddles, but I see no hobbits, said Legolas. I did not say that we should hear good news, said Aragorn, but evil or good, we wait for it here. The three companions now left the hilltop, where they might be an easy mark against the pale sky. They walked slowly down the northward slope. A little above the hill's foot, they halted and Wrapping their cloaks about them, they sat huddled together in the faded grass. The time passed slowly and heavily. The wind was thin, but searching. Gimli was uneasy. "'What do you know of these horsemen, Aragorn?' he said. "'Do we sit here waiting for sudden death?' "'I've been among them,' answered Aragorn. "'They are proud and willful, but they are true-hearted, generous in thought and deed, bold, not cruel.' wise but unlearned, writing no books but singing many songs, after the cho- manner of the children of men before the dark years. But I do not know what's happened here of late, nor what in the mind of Rohim may be now, between the traitor Saramon and the threat of Sauron. They have long been friends with the people of Gondor, though they are not akin to them. It was forgotten years long ago that Ural the, the Young brought them out of the north, and their kinship is rather with the Bardings of the Dale, and with the beornings of the wood, among whom may still be seen many men tall and fair, as are the riders of Rohan. At least they will not love the orcs. But Gandalf spoke a rumour that they pay tribute to Mordor," said Gimli. "I believe that no more than Boromir did," answered Aragorn. "You will still, soon learn the truth," said Legolas. "Already they approach." At length, even Gimli could hear the distant beat of galloping hooves. The horsemen, following the trail, had turned from the river and were drawing near the downs. They were riding like the wind. Now the cries of clear, strong voices came ringing over the fields. Suddenly they swept up with a noise like thunder, and the foremost horsemen swerved, passing by the foot of the hill, and leading the host back southward amongst the westward skirts of the downs. After him, they rode a long line of mail clad men, swift, shining, fell, and fair to, put, fair to look upon. Their horses were of great stature, strong and clean-limbed, their grey coats glistening, their long tails flowing in the wind, and their manes were braided on their proud necks. The men that rode them matched them well. Tall, long-limbed, their hair, flaxen pale, also flowed under the light helms, and streamed in long braids behind them. Their faces were stern and keen. In their hands were tall spears of ash, painted shields were slung at their backs, and long swords were at their belts, their burnished shirts of mail hung upon their knees. In pairs they galloped by, and though every now and then one rose in the stirrups and gazed ahead to either side, they appeared not to perceive the three strangers sitting silently and watching them. The host had almost passed when suddenly Aragorn stood up and called in a loud voice, "'What news then from the north, riders of Rohan?'